Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. It's going to be a great show. we got a lot of ground to cover. It was a very, very busy day. Let's get started, shall we? I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome. And it's been a crazy day. There's so much to get to. We're really, really happy to have uh, Mary Trump here once again, as I said. Um, uh, But a big day. And I want to talk about the mask mandate and the lifting of the mask mandate. Now, I know this is shady, shaky ground. This divides us ferociously. So I'm going to try to not offend anybody when I talk about the federal judge's order rescinding the CDC's travel mask mandate. I don't want to offend anyone, and I respect all sides of this. I just want to say I never knew how secure I was in my penis size until I saw how many men felt emasculated because they had to wear a freaking mask. You know, the CDC, in what I think it was uh, what we would call pro-life intentions, was extending the mask mandates until May 3rd in public transportation because of the spread of the BA2 the subvariant of the Omicron variant, um, which is now, like I think, over 85% of all new U.S. coronavirus cases. I say this as someone who is recovering from coronavirus and having BA2. I say this as someone who is double-vaxxed and boosted, who has worn the masks and who has joined the club of people who have fallen prey to this highly contagious subvariant that is spreading around the world. It's a big old drag. And, and let's just get one thing out of the way. Masks were never intended to prevent coronavirus completely. They were never intended to solve the problem. They're about harm reduction. Keep that in mind as I rant along here. Because this is America, we're totally divided about this, sort of. Uh, Kaiser Family Foundation poll last month showed 51% wanted the mask mandates to expire this week when they were supposed to. Uh, 49% of us wanted it to stay in place. Although... The same poll showed 59% said people should continue to wear masks in some public places. 59%, okay, that's not that divided. That's because we want to prevent another surge, right? We look out for each other, 59% of us do. And 80%, 80% of Americans said they did wear masks in indoor public spaces at least once over the past month. So... I say this because earlier today I was talking to someone who who said something that stuck in my craw. Uh, Somebody said to me, well, they lifted the mask mandate. 
And I realized I heard that expression all night last night and all day today. Well, now they've lifted the mask mandate. I'm like, who's this they? I, I know we're kind of sensitive about pronouns here, but um, let's be clear for a second. It's not a they. It's one person. One person lifted the mask mandate, and that would be Catherine Kimball Mizell, a federal judge in Florida. She's the only person. It's a she, not a they. She ordered the end of the mask mandate for travel after it had been extended a few more weeks because we have this highly contagious subvariant that's getting a lot of people sick. She said, wearing a mask means uh, wearing a mask cleans nothing. At most, it traps virus droplets, but it neither sanitizes the person wearing the mask nor sanitizes the conveyance. Cleans and the mask is supposed to clean. The mask is supposed to sanitize. I, 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 all I want the mask to do is trap virus droplets. Like she said, again, folks, it doesn't clean. It doesn't sanitize. No one ever said it did. It's harm reduction. Now, (laughs) Judge Mizell made this statement because she is a board certified medical professional who's done a lot of research. That's not true at all. Um, she's the opposite of that. She she just ruled that these sanitary masks have nothing to do with keeping places sanitary, uh, which I don't think the judge would say if she was in an operating room about to have surgery. But it's not a they. It's one person. One person struck down the CDC's mask mandate on planes and buses and trains and inside transit hubs. And as I've said many times, I'm not too afraid of airplanes. I'm afraid of airports. I'm also afraid of airplanes, not when they're in the air, but when they've stopped and the air filtration systems are turned off and we're all crowding around together on a hot runway waiting to get off a plane. One person changed this for everybody. One vote, one person. Now, I want to just tell you, Catherine Kimball Mizell is not just only one person. Her only trial experience before becoming a federal judge was as an intern She'd held four clerkships, including one for Clarence Thomas. She was rated not qualified by the American Bar Association. They cited her lack of experience. She'd only take part in a couple of trials, both one-day trials in a state court conducted while she was still in law school. She had eight years of legal experience at the time of her nomination. The American Bar Association typically requires you have 12 years of legal experience. And she was given this job as a federal judge, by a man the majority of American voters voted against twice. Only three presidents have ever lost the popular vote twice. Donald Trump was rejected by the American people in a, democ- in a democracy two times. So please keep this in mind. A guy most voters didn't want hired a judge the ABA said wasn't qualified, and she made this choice for everyone you love. Every old person you love, every person with an impaired immune system that you love, every small child who's too young to get vaccinated that you love. This person, the unqualified judge nominated by a guy Americans rejected twice, decided it for you. And again, we shouldn't be surprised by this. He, he, Donald Trump hired an a EPA hater to run the EPA. He hired a homeschooler to run the Department of Education. He hired someone who hates conservation to run the interior. I don't know why he didn't get a pacifist to run the Pentagon. And the good news is this judge is only 35, so she'll be making great choices like this for years. I mean, will she mandate that doctors and nurses and anesthetists no longer wear masks in operating rooms? I mean, all it does is trap droplets. 
Now, look, I, I, again, if you're sick of wearing masks, I get it. So am I. Much respect to you. I'm not looking to fight anybody on this. Although, you're welcome to call our show anytime and fight me. But I'm not looking to fight. I share your frustration. But this variant's surging in this country. It's surging in the U.K., and it's causing incredible havoc in China. Right now in China, 400 million people are in lockdown. More than the entire population of the U.S. is in lockdown right now. Here in the U.S., at least 72 people who went to the gridiron dinner in D.C. earlier this month have tested positive for COVID, including Nancy Pelosi and Merrick Garland. So there have been a lot of responses. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot came out with her own variant of what many civic leaders were saying today. This is a variant of what Joe Biden said. This is A3. Mask mandates are out. Personal preference is in. We're going to recommend that people who feel comfortable um, and feel like they need to wear a mask continue to wear a mask and make sure, frankly, uh, that we're being as respectful of people who are making those decisions. Same, and I'll just add it, with our airports. Uh, Now, transportation providers and state and local governments are scrambling to either abandon their mask mandates on public transit or in some cases to reinforce it. By the way, this doesn't apply to international flights, only domestic flights. I guess the judge didn't feel that masks were so inefficient on international flights. Not sure why. And I'm not sure how the judge thinks the virus got over here in the first place. Maybe she thinks it swam here. But the virus got here on a plane. Now, Mayor Lightfoot was pretty much echoing Joe Biden, who said, now it's up to you, the individual, to decide whether you want to wear a mask while traveling. I can't stop thinking about the people who've already paid for their plane tickets based on the fact that they knew everybody would be masked. And maybe they have an immune disorder. Maybe they have a child too young to be vaccinated. Maybe they're old, but they bought their plane tickets when they thought they'd be on a masked flight. Or someone who was on the plane mid-flight when this was announced. And all these Caucasian yahoos were cheering, <laughs> knowing that no one cares about them. Andy Slavitt, our, our friend, had a pretty good tweet. He said, if airlines can ask us not to eat peanuts on board, if there's someone with a peanut allergy, why won't they ask us to wear a mask if there's an unvaccinated four-year-old or cancer patient on board? Republicans were delighted by this. Jim Jordan, who uh, has a lot of experience at looking the other way, when American lives are threatened. He tweeted, Fauci lost, freedom won. (laughs) You know, a million Americans have died from this. 38,000 Ohioans have died from COVID. And this ghoul's talking about freedom. (laughs) But, you you know, what what about taking off your shoes at the airport and having TSA feel you up? That's freedom? I mean, think about Ron DeSantis. He's always been against masks. He said he would make school kids wear masks over your dead body and your dead body and your dead body. Oh, my God. The, the, the people who flipped out about the schools. But if kids have to wear masks in schools, they might learn about empathy and self-sacrifice for others, you monsters. Our friend Amanda Marcotte wrote earlier today, what's funny about this judge's mask decision is it's a good example of Republicans believing their own lies to the point where it undermines their political strategies. It probably won't stand, but if it does, I suspect it backfires on the GOP. She said the goal of convincing millions of Republicans not to vaccinate was to keep the pandemic going and therefore make Biden unpopular because of continued mask mandates and other restrictions. (laughs) Um, What happens now, you know, she said the belief was by November 2022, Americans would be so exhausted of masks and general reminders of the ongoing pandemic, they would punish Democrats for it. So the plan, make sure the pandemic kept going. So this happened. 
But by forcibly repealing one of the last lingering mask mandates, Republicans have basically gutted their own strategy. People aren't going to be tired of masks if they don't have to wear them. And therefore, they won't be taking it out on Biden. (laughs) Repealing mask mandates was smart political strategy because it's more effective at drawing out the pandemic, which is what Trump always wanted, what the Republicans have always wanted, but mainly because vaccines aren't an ongoing annoyance and hassle. By the election, most people would have done it eons ago, but for SCOTUS. So here's where Amanda nails it. Many, if not most, of the folks who were cheering and relieved to remove their masks on planes aren't going to know it was a Republican who did it. Biden's in charge. He'll get the credit. Maybe that'll happen, but keep in mind, children under five still don't have access to vaccines. Keep in mind that millions of us, including elderly people and immunocompromised people, are deeply vulnerable to this virus and its variants. So, friends, welcome to Fuck Around. And tune in two weeks for its sequel, Find Out. No one should be surprised by this judge's decision. And yes, there will be Americans who may well die because of it. (laughs) And it's a safe bet that these MAGA idiots who cheered and ripped off their masks at 30,000 feet... They will blame Biden in two weeks if there's a surge. If the death toll goes up by May, you can bet they'll blame Biden. Biden, by the way, is still requiring wearing masks on Air Force One in accordance with the CDC. But here's the thing about the masks, okay? And again, I respect that some of you hate it. And I respect that some of you think they're useless. But covering your nose and mouth, it's generally viewed as a sensible way to block particles of virus that come out of the mouth and go into the nose. People have been using masks on our planet to protect themselves from diseases since the Manchurian outbreak of plague in 1910. Now, this is pretty big, because last fall, a group of scientists from Yale and Stanford and UC Berkeley published the final results of this randomized study they had about masking behavior in communities in Bangladesh. This study covered 350,000 people in 600 villages. And the researchers randomly chose certain villages to have interventions of giving out free masks, paying villagers to remind people to cover their face, and having the village leaders and religious figures like imams talk about the importance of masks. Not all communities. They did it for some. They also paid villagers to count properly worn masks in public places like markets and mosques. They were gathering data on coronavirus transmission. And they asked about the symptoms. They did blood tests to determine who came down with COVID-19 during the study. And you know what they found? In a study of 350,000 people, the masks work. Surgical masks are better at preventing coronavirus transmission. Not 100%, but community-wide mask wearing is great at protecting older people who, again, are at a much higher risk of getting really sick or dying from COVID-19. Randomly assigned pro-masking policies in Bangladesh, reduced the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases by nearly 10%. That might not sound like a lot, but they also increased masking from 14% to 43%. If they'd reached 100% masking, it would have been even higher. But here's the deal. The villages that did the pro-masking policies saw a 34% decline in COVID-19 among seniors who are the most at risk. The masks work. They're not perfect. It's harm reduction. They slow the spread. They're not a cure. They're not going to protect everyone. But they save the lives of old people, if you care about that demographic. Now, look, the cloth masks were okay until Omicron came around. 
and N95 masks still work. COVID doesn't care about your feelings. COVID doesn't care that you're sick of masks. COVID doesn't care that precautions are tedious for you. Nothing in the universe is 100%. The masks work for Delta. They didn't work as well for Omicron. It's just more contagious. But the world's scientific consensus, not talking to Republican Party, not talking Fox News, not talking fucking Twitter, the world's scientific consensus was the cloth masks were good until Omicron came along, which required the N95 masks. That is how science works. It's not about Fauci lying. It's about new data coming in and you change your recommendations. Keep in mind that these people who are fans of Donald Trump, they prefer someone who deliberately, repeatedly lies to them about plague safety. And, and here's the point that we don't talk about enough. You wear masks to protect other people from you. That's it. Yes, pa- particles can pass through your mask. You can catch it while wearing a mask, but it's about you not giving it to other people. Well, I don't have it. How do you know you don't have it? Well, I don't feel like I have it. Well, then good for you. But if everyone wears a mask, it slows the spread. That's empathy. That's patriotism. That's pro-life. So people are now going to stop wearing masks in these confined public transportation spaces. Unvaccinated people are going to get sick. Infection rates are going to go up. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it's all a joke. Maybe the people who've been wrong about everything are right about this, and we'll look really dumb a month from now. But maybe you'll see hospital rates going up and death rates going up. You'll see staff shortages. You'll see labor problems. You will see a lot of flights getting canceled. You'll see more disability, more death. But hey, hey, freedom, huh? Huh? Science shows that this BA2 variant is less deadly. And it causes less hospitalizations than the previous ones. But it's more contagious. People are saying, yeah, but so, so, it's, so it's not more contagious than the flu. Right. You're right. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hospitalize you. I've had it. I can tell you. It's a bitch. I finally had a negative test almost a week ago, and I'm still exhausted. But we still don't talk about long COVID in this country. Between 14 and 30% of people who get COVID end up with long COVID. And the vaccines might only have those numbers. And we don't even understand why some people get long COVID and have symptoms for months and months. So if you're, if, if you're cheering about this, great. But I hope you're ready. If you're saying, oh, it's just a flu, okay, I hope you're right. But just in case, you better be ready for long-haul flu. Now, the Justice Department said they're going to appeal the court ruling that struck down the mask mandate for travelers if the CDC finds it necessary. But please, please, friends. And if you want to call up and tell me I'm weak because I like masks and I torture children and all those other Tuckerisms, fine, I can take it. But the United States is now reporting more than 31,000 new cases a day on average. That's 8% more than three weeks ago at the beginning of this month. There has been a 60% increase over the last week and a half in Philadelphia which has become the first major city to reinstate indoor mask mandates. Uh, And by the way, voters in Pennsylvania supported it. And colleges are requiring masks again. Now, my son goes to a public school in New York City where hundreds of kids wear masks every day because consideration for others, even if it's a little bit inconvenient for you, is part of being a good person. And these children are not selfish, whiny little bitches about it. But give it two weeks. Give it two weeks. Again, after Joe Biden said it was up to the individual, now the White House is appealing it. Some people will continue to wear a mask in the airport, on airplanes, and public transportation, in the grocery store, in the drugstore. Please, if you're in a drugstore, please wear a mask. <laughs> you don't have to, 
but if you care about others, you should. Because the people who are wearing masks, the people who are still practicing safety precautions, who are still washing their hands and trying to social distance, the people who are getting their shots and their boosters, they're not just doing it for themselves. We're the pro-lifers, and we got to start taking that term back. We're the ones who care about your life more than Donald Trump, who keeps lying to you. We're the ones for gun safety laws. We're the ones for believing climate science and adapting before it's too late. We're the ones for getting shots in your arms and masks on your faces because we want to preserve American lives. And if you think masks and vaccines are stupid ways to help protect American lives, I bet you totally support a $766 billion annual military budget to help protect American lives. <laughs> and remember something also. If someone wants to give you crap because you're wearing a mask, just tell them, sorry, but I'm an actual pro-life patriot. I care about the health of other Americans. And let them think about it. Because you are the pro-life patriots. And you don't have to wear a mask. Do what you want to do. But just remember, the Tucker Carlson people, they were more offended by people wearing masks than they've ever been by people wearing hoods. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I'm so thrilled to welcome our next guest. She is the author of the international number one bestseller, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. She is one of the most interesting people in America. She holds a PhD from the Derner Institute of Advanced Psychological Studies at Adelphi. She has taught graduate courses in trauma, psychopathology, and developmental psychology. She has what we call the recessive gene in her particular family, and she has a terrific new live show that you have to see. Uh, I had the great honor of being a guest. She has a great team and she asks great questions. She is someone whose intellect matches her compassion. She is Mary Trump. What a pleasure to have you back, doctor. Uh, John, it's so great to be back with you. Um, I know it's been <laughs> quite a couple of weeks, but uh, it has been, you know, a lot going on personally, just in general, in this country, we cannot seem to, uh, Turn off the fire hose of news, can we? Well, I, I think that's why, if I may just praise you again for a second, why you mean so much to so many people, because you're not just a member of the Trump family who is out there telling the truth when you could just keep quiet and uh, and spare your family the drama. You've gone out there full of empathy and caring and patriotic vigor to call bullshit, but you're also someone who has allowed us all the benefit of your expertise as a psychologist to better understand um, the pathology 
that has affected parts of your family that has then affected so much of our country. And I'm so glad you're doing your own show. You're so good at it. You're, you're a terrific broadcaster. What was it? Oh, and before we even get to that, I want to let everyone know Mary just got her booster shot. I'm recovering from COVID. So this is sort of like the, the, the brain fog summit, you and me together. Pretty much. <laughs> we'll, we'll stagger through it. How are you feeling uh, post booster shot? Yeah, it's actually my second booster. Um, I have asthma, so I'm not fooling around with this thing at all. And as you can attest, people are still getting sick and quite sick. Um, you know, I guess I guess for a lot of people, the fact that uh, hundreds of Americans are dying every day for, for no reason uh, doesn't seem to uh, break through. But, um, you know, it, I, I don't have the kind of reaction I, I had for the first shot or the first booster. Um you know, just a fever, kind of tired, little stuffy. Uh, but as I've said every single time, I've never been so happy to feel sick because, <laughs> you know, just uh, making it safer for me and for everybody I come into contact with. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I began the show talking um, about the judge's ruling last night and you know, it, it, at a time when this variant is running roughshod over the country, um, when it's surging in the UK, when it's got 400 million humans on lockdown in China, and we're still having, you know, close to a thousand Americans die a day from this, to have a, a, an appointee by your uncle, a man the American people rejected twice with the popular vote, and an appointee that the uh, American Bar Association deemed unqualified to be a judge, that one person could make the choice to get rid of masks in public transportation in enclosed crowded places I, I think without a psychology degree i will say i'm i'm really struggling to have empathy for those who have no empathy and are cheering yeah. this as if long-haul covid and variants don't exist yeah me too um and I, I have to be completely honest i don't um but what i will say uh and i think what separates us from them is that despite their lack of empathy, um, which makes no sense. Like we're not attacking them, right? Um, despite their egregious behavior, their violence, their cruelty, uh, their racism, misogyny, and on and on. Um, despite the fact that I may not have that much empathy for them, although I'm willing to concede that a lot of these people have been lied to and tricked. So I, I do reserve some empathy for them, but in general, no. Uh, however, I still want them to make a living wage. I still want them to have health care. Yes. I still want them to uh, have access to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which are things they don't want for people like you and me. Correct. I'll go further than that. I don't want their loved ones to be killed by an AR-15 that yes. a deranged person was easily able to obtain. I yep. don't want their grandchildren to suffer the horrible effects of climate change because they're the generation that's ignoring it. Um, I don't want their kids to be buried under decades of student loan debt. I feel like we're fighting for your uncle's fan club much harder than your uncle and his circle. And it gets really wearing at times. It does. And and harder than they're fighting for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately, that is a phenomenon that's been um, studied. Some people, uh, it's not about how well they're doing. It's um, that other people, they make that other people are doing worse. Yeah. So, which, yeah. you know, is, is not a good, 
not a good place to be um, because it allows people on that side to preference uh, things like, you know, owning the libs at their own expense. And that's something the Republican Party has gotten quite expert at doing, convincing people that cultural issues, which have no business being in politics, uh, are more important uh, than all of those things you and I just mentioned. And um, it creates a situation in which um, they're they're just so much more susceptible to um, the promise that uh, they can always hang their hat on the fact that they are in their mind superior simply by virtue of the fact that they're white. And that's Correct. a huge problem that we've had forever. Correct. And again, you know, they were raised with that. They didn't choose it. I, I try <laughs> to have empathy for it. But yeah, you know, even if you've been lied to, lies that you believe and spread are still lies. And mm-hmm. lies that make you feel really good are still lies. And I think about it all the time. I, I trace it back to the the lie that your uncle spread for years with no evidence about Barack Obama's birth and his birth certificate. And it's a question I always ask um, right-wing callers because, and my friends are sick of me asking it, but I always want to find out, do you value Donald Trump's lies and racism over objective truth? And it's been amazing to me how many folks don't even know that Donald Trump announced on September 14th, September 16th, 2016, that Obama really was born here. Like the news they consume never told them that Trump finally admitted it. And to this day, I've talked to hundreds of right wing folks, all white men who still believe that there's a chance they're still clinging to the possibility that he really wasn't born here because the lie means so much. And Mary, it's I don't want to throw around the world word cult lightly, but I was raised by a mother who escaped a convent. And it's amazing how many of our fellow Americans are beyond reason and beyond facts. I don't think you can avoid using that word anymore uh, because the, you know, one of the things about cults that makes them cults is that people are willing to give up everything and uh, to stay connected to this group at their expense. I, I mean, you just look at, the the ridiculous uh, convoy that drove yeah. around D.C. in circles, wasting huge amounts of gasoline. One, they didn't accomplish anything because there was nothing to, to accomplish. I think they were allegedly protesting didn't exist, which I think was vaccine mandates or something. Yes. Um, and secondly, what? How did that make their lives better? Do they not have jobs? I mean, do they have so much disposable income that they could waste days and days and, you know, uh, pay for very expensive gasoline, just just, you know, roaming around D.C., accomplishing absolutely nothing? I mean, I often on Twitter or once in a while on Twitter, I'll see something about the kinds of useless, counterproductive and deeply self-destructive things people on the right in this cult are engaged in and like the convoy uh, or protesting, (laughs) uh, protesting Disney uh, because apparently Disney and Mickey Mouse, according to tech groups, Mickey Mouse and Pluto are are, uh, pedophiles or whatever. Yes. Um, They don't hate transgender children enough. Imagine your life being so empty that this is something that you think is worth spending your time on. 
I think that's why I so appreciate how you've lent your name and, and, and fame and expertise to the American public. And that's why I'm so inspired that you're doing this show also because it happens to be a really good show and you're really good at this, but it it seems like you're not just guided by a desire to, to get your name out there or even redeem your family name. It's, I've always felt that you're really guided by empathy and that even you seem to feel a sense of responsibility as a Trump to go out there and try to not just call out bullshit, but also to understand to understand these people and understand why they're so susceptible to it. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be very clear. I, I hope that my last name uh, goes down in infamy. It's a, I, there's no rehabilitating these, this family or the name. Um, so that's, that's not at all part of my agenda. I mean, it sucks. It's yeah. my name too, but what am I going to do? Um, however, having known these people my whole life uh, or most of my life, I do feel um, it's weird because I know I'm not responsible. I mean, I'm not responsible for what they do. However, it, it pains me in an incredibly personal way. Um, You know, I, um, I took the election of 2016 very hard. I took everything that Donald did to worsen COVID very hard um, you know, partially because of Donald, among other people, you know, my dad died alone yeah. in an emergency room. Um, and I've asthma, so I know what it's like to have trouble breathing. Um, so I felt, I do feel an obligation to help people understand that this is not normal. This is not just somebody who, uh, is strategic or like you could say that about somebody like Cruz or Cotton, right? I mean, they're still right. horrific human beings, but you know, they're they're, they're calculating. Uh, they have an agenda. Donald yeah. doesn't. It's just cruelty for the sake of cruelty. And I sit standing by, um, you know, especially since in 2016 there was literally nothing I could have done, nothing, yeah. uh, for many reasons. Um, But when I finally did have something to hang on to before 2020, I, there was no way I was going to sit, sit it out um, because I knew that there, I literally was the only person on the planet who could take the stance I took uh, because one, I, you had to be somebody in the family and two, you had to be somebody willing to speak out against the family <laughs> and nobody else in my family was going to do that. So, yeah, um, you know, I don't, but I don't I think it like was that, brave or but, anything, but I, well, but, but I all, felt like it, it is, was, it um, I, inevitable almost if, if that makes any sense. Yes. But I, I do think that that plus your clinical expertise sort of gave you two superpowers that nobody else had at the time. And as we, as, as it seems ever more likely that your uncle's going to run for president again, the other night he was introduced at Mar-a-Lago as the 45th and 47th president and the cult members cheered. I, I, I've always wanted to ask you about something, Mary. I, I saw an interview you did somewhere where you were talking about visiting the Oval Office in the first year and that on Donald Trump's desk, there was a picture of your grandfather, Fred, but there were no pictures of your grandmother. Mary, whose name you share, who was an right. immigrant and who famously was very ill 
for a large part of uh, Donald's youth. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, can you, can you tell us what your grandmother was like and, and what insights you've gleaned from their relationship that could explain the behaviors and the lack of empathy we see? Sure. Um, my grandmother was somebody I actually quite loved um, until I realized who she was. But, you know, um, she was somebody at, whom I experienced as, uh, you know, not affectionate, really, but um, doing her best. She was she had osteoporosis, so she broke her bones a lot. She was in pain a lot. She was in the hospital a lot. Um, and, you know, doing her best to kind of toe the line in this very patriarchal, misogynistic family. And as I started thinking about the family history, you know, my, my relationship with my grandmother was kind of besides the point. Um, I realized that it was all a facade. I, it turns out that my grandmother was just as bad as the rest of them. And when, um, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the people in the cult and can we have empathy for them? Do we have to make allowances for them? And that's how that was the struggle I had with my grandmother, because on the one hand, when she was younger and having children um, and being told that she shouldn't have any more, she had two miscarriages, it would be very dangerous. And then she went on and had Donald and then my uncle Robert. Um, You know, I think it's highly likely that my grandfather didn't give her a choice. So after my uncle Robert was born, he was the youngest. She got very, very ill. And uh, of course you have sympathy for that. It wasn't her fault, just as it wasn't her fault that for basically the first year, the, sorry, when Donald was two and a half, that's when she got sick after giving birth to Robert. It wasn't her fault that she was entirely unavailable to him at this very crucially important developmental time in his life. But she did nothing later on in his life to make up for that absence. Um, And that to me was kind of representative to how my family works. You know, if, if you, if something's wrong with you, or if you are negatively impacted by something else that's going on in the family and you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, well, that's just too bad. And um, you will be discounted. That happened to my father, Um, And it would have happened to Donald if, for whatever reason, my grandfather didn't see something in Donald that he needed. Uh, Because as a sociopath, uh, for my grandfather, other people were merely there to be of use to him. And if they weren't, then, like my dad, they were completely erased. Uh, So, you know, my grandmother, uh, Donald was a difficult kid, but again, largely in part because of her inability to be there for him when he was young and because of my grandfather's total lack of interest in young children. And when she could have had the opportunity to step in and, you know, stand up for him and my grandfather wanted to send him away to military boarding school, she was thrilled to get rid of him. So I think that was the, that was a real turning point because um, everything that Donald had unconsciously experienced about his mother became conscious and 
and was deliberately done. It wasn't like she wanted him to go away because she was sick. She just wanted to get rid of him because he was a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, I, I admire that there's still some compassion for your uncle in there. Um, I think a lot of us are sitting around hoping that the January 6th committee will finally be the entity that retroactively says no to him because it feels like this is what happens when you raise a toddler and the toddler is never told no. And it goes on for years and years. Oh yeah. I mean, that's exactly what's been happening. And that is one of the most confounding things about this that has made the last six years so extraordinarily stressful um, for all of us. Uh, it's like, just because Donald has never been accountable, he never will be. And we see that, you know, he floods the zone, but unlike any other person I know, it's not cumulative. You do a bad thing. If you're any other person, you do a bad thing just because you do another bad thing doesn't mean that we forget about the first bad thing. Right. Yeah. Um, with him, it's not cumulative. He does one bad thing, it gets replaced, and then there's no end to the cycle. Yeah. So yeah, January 6th committee, let's say no. Are you optimistic, Mary, about the committee? Um, yeah, I, no, I, I understand. Actually, I used to be optimistic about everything, and I'm, that's being sorely challenged. Um, you know, I find it really difficult to believe that somebody like Jamie Raskin is going to let these things slide. Um, I'm, I'm reading his <laughs> very difficult to read book right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, he is a pure Patriot. Uh, okay. His love of this country is, is heartbreaking in some ways. Um, so I just, it's again, I, how could somebody like him, uh, Correct. Just shrug his shoulders and say, "Ah, oh, you know, we tried, but it's not worth Mary, it." I want to thank you for joining us. I love what you do, and thank you for joining us when you're recovering from your booster. How do the folks watch your show? I just go to YouTube.com/slash/Politicon. Uh, we're live uh, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, and Thursdays. Thank you. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific on Tuesdays. We specifically a do a, a strategy session about the upcoming midterms. Uh, and you can, of course, also listen on Apple or go back to YouTube. It's It lives there forever. We got to go, but please get some rest, Mary. Thank you for joining us so late. We'll be right back with your calls. Let's go to the calls, shall we? Bill in New Jersey, thank you for your patience. Hello. Hey, John. How you doing? Hi. Great. How are you? I'm awake, thank you. Okay. Um, I, uh, hey. uh, That's my I, job. You know, wake me up. Um, so these uh, these people on the plane, I, I don't understand the deal because they have no problem walking through that uh, porno scanner, the, the full you. body x-ray thing, mm-hmm. you know, you um, I, I think you should bring, I think if people want to be really good about it, they should bring one of those little uh, solar reflectors 
so they can tan their balls while they're in that machine? <clears throat> that would be a conservative, a strong conservative masculine way to handle it. To me, I, I view it differently. Uh-huh. I kind of feel like, you know, when you walk through the metal detector, through the scanner, uh-huh. it might be the only mm-hmm. time in your life that a professional mm-hmm. photographer is going to be taking nudes of you. I think you should make it artistic. Work on your yoga poses, you know, bend over. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, plie. Mm-hmm. If you're a real heavy guy, turn turn to the side, and you'll look like the letter Q. Right. Well, you know, uh, I may have mentioned I'm not too shy about it. That I do have a penis implant that I can inflate. Well, there so you go. I could do that on the X-ray machine. There, do, do it for think? freedom. And I'll tell you something else too. Uh, <laughs> when they 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 will offer you the chance to not go through the mm-hmm. metal detector, the the scanner, and to have a full mm-hmm. body search uh, by TSA. Uh-huh. I always say yes. I always opt for it. All you do, this is what you say. No lie. You just say, male assist. If you're waiting online, just say, I need a male assist. And they'll say, male assist, and then a a man will come over. Now, normally, they will provide you someone of the same sex to do your full body pat down. I say, fuck that. You demand someone of the opposite sex. Because if they're going to make you uncomfortable, you pay it forward. Well, how many times can you ask them to do it, you know? Um, no, but that's the thing. These TSA people, they have a hard job. Uh-huh. They deal with rude uh-huh. tourists every day. So when they're patting uh-huh. you down, I always say, uh-huh. show your appreciation, uh-huh. verbalize your approval, and just start making sounds like, mm, uh-huh. and um, I also recommend uh-huh. harder, or uh-huh. right there, or daddy-like. Uh-huh. Say these things out loud when they're patting you down. They will appreciate it. What do you think of the bulge? Um yeah. But anyway, and by the way, if they tell you if they tell you you can't joke in TSA, you say back to them, I know Allah forbids it as well. And they will drive you all the way to the Greyhound station. Trust me. Oh, if, I could, if I could just say, uh, that, John, don't forget to tip. Yeah, don't forget to tip. And, and always, always, when the guy finishes the pat down, whisper to him, text me later. Always say that. They appreciate it. It's great. 